And we say praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'll join me as we continue in worship, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And we're certainly glad to have you today with us. If you're a guest, if you're joining us online, may the Lord bless you. We're always glad for you to be here. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest, we're delighted to have you. Welcome to First Baptist Church. As uh, Brother Tim and others have mentioned before, if there's anything we can do for you, minister or help you in any way, please let us know. So take your copy of God's Word, Matthew chapter 28. We continue to talk these days about a very important subject. <clears throat> these days, these current events of the recent days remind us of the importance of believers doing their part in the world. We saw last week that the Lord Jesus said, it's at the beginning of Matthew, now we're at the end of Matthew's gospel. The Lord said to every disciple, you are the salt of the earth. And we talked about the fact that saltiness is godliness. And the Lord went on to say that disciples are the light of the world. And the light in you, your lightness, your brightness is godliness. So we live in the world as, as those who are godly in a godless world. Do you need any other evidence of godlessness than recent events? It happens all the time. Godlessness. So we have a responsibility as believers to learn to be dead to the world, but alive to Christ in this world. Paul said, I'm repeating here, uh, the theme verse around which I've uh, developed what I wanted to say to you as a church is Galatians chapter 6. Paul said it. It's true of every believer in this room. <clears throat> I've been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. If you're a believer here today, you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and immediately you were crucified to the world and the world crucified you just like they did the Lord Jesus that's why there is no real comfortable feeling living in the world and being a worldly Christian. Being a worldly Christian is being a worldly Christian is like a man who or a woman who um, puts on clothes that are too tight. They just don't fit. It just doesn't fit like it used to. It's uh, like a uh, a full-grown man trying to act like a child. It's just it doesn't work. You see, as you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're now a unique, distinct person in Christ. Therefore, we live a certain way in the world. So today we come to famous words. I'm very familiar and know, uh, have been here long enough to know most of you. And there is a great familiarity with the words we're about to read. The last words of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, called sometimes the Lord's Great Commission. These words are to every disciple who's in this room or hears my voice today. If you confess that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, these words are for you personally. They are also for us as a church. How do we measure the work of First Baptist Church? We measure it upon the commands given by our Lord for what we are to do. It's not your job or mine to create our own ideas about what this church ought to do. It's our job to submit gladly, joyfully to the direction of the Lord for what we're to do. Please notice, the Lord is about to leave the world and leave His disciples in the world. 
with all the godlessness, the world system, Satan and his tricks and all the flesh, they all still carry their old nature. The Lord is leaving to ascend to heaven and he's leaving his disciples in the world. Now you're a generation, generations, who have been left here in the world. For what reason? Well, this is what the Lord is about to say. Many of you have heard many preachers preach on the Great Commission. How I pray that my task today will not uh, be one to just impress you with words. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God will take the Word of God and the words of the Lord Jesus and penetrate your heart. And in your mind, you will be challenged and you will ask the question today, Am I sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ while I am still in this world? Now with that in mind, we read the, the, the blessed words of our Lord Jesus. These precious words as He is about eyewitness account. These are eyewitness words. This is not just someone who heard about this and wrote it down. These are eyewitness words. of Matthew the disciple and the others who were there in verse 17, when they saw the Lord, they worshipped Him. That's what we've been doing today. Thank you, Brother Steve, choir, all of our people leading us to sing praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Heavenly Father, now we thank you for a, the, the privilege we have together in this place, in a peaceful place. And to open the Word of God without restraint, carry our own Bibles here. And that the Holy Spirit of God indwells us who are saved, the saved who are here. We pray for those who are among us who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. May they sense and may they be gripped by your presence today. And may they determine to repent of their sins and believe in you before the end of their life comes or the end of days comes. I pray for the rest of us who are your followers. May we be reprioritize our lives and be busy about what really matters before the end comes. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher. May the Holy Spirit of God be free to move among us as we lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and glorify Him our Lord and our Savior. Now take the Word of God as we've sought to confess our sin, implant the Word of God in us. May it stay with us. May your words, O oh Lord, stay with us as we leave this place. May they not just be some passing thoughts we had for an hour. May we be shaken again by them. May we be challenged by them anew. May these words never grow old and familiar. May they be powerful in our minds, even at this moment, as we think about them together and the Holy Spirit teaches us. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. So our focal truth today is this, that believers are dead to the world, yet we're alive sharing the gospel with the world. Believers are dead to the world. Now, now notice this. Uh, this is my point. You cannot be worldly, living in a worldly way, and share the gospel. You just won't do it. What may be restraining some of you from sharing the gospel is your worldliness. What may be keeping some of your mouths closed is what your mouths are open to say, which you express yourself in godless ways, which we ought to be ashamed of and repent of as believers in Jesus Christ. You see, part of our saltiness and our brightness is our witness for Jesus Christ. You've been left here, as I said, with a purpose. You're on this earth to do what the Lord has said to you. And I begin by saying, and I want to give glory to God, that there were people in my life when I was just a primary boy who cared enough, they're in heaven now, to share the gospel with me. Pete Phillips was my teacher when I was a little boy, and eight, eight years old, nine years old. Pete was, he was all, men were all big, but he was a big man. He was almost seven foot tall, and he was, a, he was a, just a strong, powerful fella. There he went in there, and he took on. He took on. He was the bravest man in the church. He took on the fifth grade boys. Now you think about that. We weren't scared of him except when he stood up and when he spoke with that deep voice. But he told us about the Lord Jesus. Aren't you glad that somebody in their busy schedule while they lived in this world took the time to share the gospel with you? I'm just asking you, aren't you glad? You're saved today because someone spoke to you about Jesus Christ. It may have come in an unusual way. It doesn't matter. I give glory to God for Pete Phillips and what he, what he did in my life. We have a focus and a challenge. Today, part of my task is to challenge you as a believer and to challenge this church to make sure we have our priorities right while we're in this world. The great thing about the Lord Jesus is all of our opinions don't matter when it comes to the words of the Lord Jesus about what we ought to be doing as a church. Only the Lord's words matter about what we ought to be doing as a church. And while we're in the world, we have a lot to do. And our task is centered in these words from Matthew chapter 28. So I have three observations for you today around which I'll make my comments. I'm simply going to go through verse 18, 19, and 20. And we'll read through them. I want you to think about these thoughts with me for a few moments. I want to challenge you. Yes, I'm going to challenge you today. I want you, to, I want you to consider these words in this way, as if the Lord Jesus is standing and personally saying these words to you, to your face. How would it make a difference in the way you're living today? So what are we, to, so what are we supposed to do in the world, Pastor Mike? Well, the Lord tells us all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's the first principle. Believers go into the world by the authority of Jesus Christ. Why? To share the gospel. Believers go into the world by the authority of Jesus Christ to share the gospel. And then the second observation is 
verses 18 and, uh, excuse me, 19 and 20. Go as you're going, go, however you want to read it. As you're going along, as you're living your life, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the second principle. Believers go into the world sharing the gospel and those who are saved, we have the responsibility to make disciples of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are disciple makers. That is the assignment of the church, to share the gospel with everyone and then those who believe Make disciples. And then finally the Lord says these famous words, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I want to elaborate on those words for a moment, but the point is that believers go into the world sharing the gospel, I should have added, making disciples in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ or with the Lord Jesus Christ along with them. This is our task in the world. This is our task. This is what we say. And this is what we do. So a fellow said to me one time, you know, I was witnessing, talking to him about Jesus. And he said, well, what do you all do up there at the church? It's really a good question. What do you do up there at the church? Be interesting. We had a little survey in here today. What do we do up here at the church? Be interesting the comments we would get. We make disciples up here at the church. That's our task. That's our responsibility. That's our duty. And we do it right here in Dixon County. We do it right in the middle of the world. We're blessed to have a facility and a place to do it. But some of our dear brothers and sisters are doing it in a hole in the ground. They're doing it in a cave. They're doing it up on a mountainside under a leaky tin roof. Others are, they have one Bible to share among Many hundreds who huddle in to hear the blessed words of God and they have few to teach and all of them, some under a tree out in the sun, in the middle of the hot sun in the desert and in cold places and in war and in trouble and in danger. Disciple making is going on in small groups of one and two and three and five and in larger groups of hundreds. This is what God has left the church here to do. To share the gospel and then disciple those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you changed your priorities as a part of this church? You think we're here for something else? Well, then let's readjust our priorities, our opinions to those of the Lord Jesus Christ. And glorify God by doing what He's commanded us to do. Since He has ascended to heaven, left us the Holy Spirit, all the resources we have in order to do His work. Believers go into the world by the authority of Jesus Christ. All authority has been given to me. I think about this, I think about the book of Acts. Oh, newsflash. These words were written and spoken before the book of Acts was written. You understand, don't you? We read it all together. Historically, the Lord is standing there and here are these pitiful disciples. They don't have anything. 
just these, just these few hundred. Here they are. And the Lord says, all authority is given to me. He places upon them his authority. The authority, the authority of the Lord Jesus opens every door. Prison doors were opened. Peter and John experienced it. Paul experienced it. The early church, wherever they went, saw the Holy Spirit took them and gave them access. They were granted access and the Lord led them to people to share the gospel with. As I was speaking with some of our men recently in a Bible study, there was Philip. He was busy in Samaria and lo and behold, the Holy Spirit takes him out to one man. Riding on a chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, an Ethiopian government official. And the gospel went to Ethiopia just not long after Pentecost. And the gospel spread. All authority is given to me. Listen, when you and I live our life, we live under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you have whatever you need. He's resourced you completely to do your work. This is an important matter for us to learn to live under the authority of the Lord. The Lord left His believers here to share the gospel with every generation till He comes with His absolute authority. He is the one who has risen from the dead. Paul said, Romans 14, 9, For to this end Christ died and lives again, that He might be Lord both of the dead and living. The Lord Jesus is ascended, seated in heaven as our great Lord, high priest and king. Colossians 2.10 says he is the head over all rule and authority. Peter says that when the Lord Jesus died and finished his work and rose from the dead and ascended, he ascended to the right hand of God and, and was, was brought to heaven after angels, authorities and powers had been made subject to him. There's not anything in this world that seems to be unraveling that is not under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and permitted. So you must determine today whose authority are you living under? You're not a proud man, are you, to live in your own authority? Who are you to consider yourself such that you can live in such pride? You're under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you denied yourself. You repented of your sins. You followed the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we live here with all of that provision, with all of that preparation, under the authority, the active, living, powerful authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to make a difference as we begin to think about our place in the world. Rather than going and hiding and cringing under some rock or Running away like we're afraid. Be strong and bold in the world as a follower of Jesus. You live in the authority of Jesus Christ. Secondly, believers go into the world and they have a job to do. Share the gospel. Mark 16 said it, go preach the gospel to the world. Go everywhere, preach the gospel. Is Mark's description of this commission. Matthew gives us more detail. He says, go. Go, and many have gone. Many have gone. From the earliest days of the church, they went to their generations, they went to the world. We must go. We must go. Yes, we go. We go to the world, but we also go to our neighbors. We go to our family. We go to our friends. We go to our workmates. 
We go here. We go here, my friends. You go. As you're going, as you're living your life, we are to share the gospel and make disciples. Remember the gospel. What is the gospel? We've repeatedly said this to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Paul said, I've received what I'm now giving to you. Here's the gospel. Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again according to the scriptures and appeared to many. This is the heart of the gospel. We say it another way. Romans 10. How did Paul say it? We, I quote it to you all the time. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you will confess, if you, if you personally, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Believers go into the world sharing the gospel. And we appeal to our friends and neighbors and those that are strangers as we go along the way. Be reconciled to God. Come to Jesus Christ. Be saved from your addictions and your misery and your pain and your thorny past. Be saved. Come to know Jesus. Be washed in the blood. Be made clean. Have a new mind. Be transformed. Be changed. Be forgiven. This is what we go to say. We have much to say to the world. And so we go, and as we go, we share the gospel, but we make disciples. Quickly, boys and girls, a disciple is a learner and a follower. Our mission statement as a church, the first thing we say we will do is follow Jesus. Now I'm asking you who are a part of First Baptist Church, are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus? Not a disciple of your favorite preacher. Not a disciple of your favorite teacher. Not a disciple of the world system. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Will people see Jesus in you? Because a disciple of the Lord Jesus, we teach those who are saved what it means to follow Jesus. That means we teach people how to deny themselves. That means we teach people how to continue to walk by faith and believe in the Lord Jesus. That means that as a disciple, that means as a disciple, we make declarations about the boundaries in our life. We live a certain way. We, don't, we separate ourselves. We don't do the things we used to do. We, we follow the Lord Jesus' lifestyle. We live like the Lord Jesus lived in this world and we learn His teachings. We spend our time in His Word. We have great fellowship with Him. We learn to worship and pray and glorify God and we also tell others about Jesus. This is it. Go make disciples. This is our task. What are we doing up here? What are we doing up here? We're making disciples. We're making disciples. We start with the young ones. And we move to the old ones. And I must remind some of you old ones, you're never beyond growing as a disciple. Some of you think you've graduated and you have no more need of training. Be careful of pride and arrogance and an unteachable spirit. No, we all learn and we all follow Jesus and grow as disciples until the Lord calls us to heaven. The greatest blessing is to see humility and teachability in a disciple, regardless of who they are and how much they might think they know about God's Word.
We're to make disciples, but he goes on baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. This baptistry is here to declare to the world. You see, baptism is a public thing, not a secret thing. I've had to talk with some of our people who want to have a private baptism. Well, we don't, baptisms aren't private. It's public. In fact, to do it in the world is even better. In the old days, they went out to the water, to the lake, to the river. They went out where people were gathered. The ocean has been the place where many have been baptized around people. And this strange act of these believers singing songs of praise to God and then putting someone under the water. And the preacher says, or the baptizer says, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. In the ancient church, they would stand in the baptistry and there they would have their white robe on. First, they would stand and turn to the west and they would renounce Satan and the world. And then they would be turned to the east and they would make the good confession that they had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and they were immersed. You see, you're dead. You're dead to your old ways. When you come to know Jesus Christ. And what did our Lord do? When John the Baptist was doing very public baptisms. When the Jews were having to decide. What shall we do? They were all saying it. In one of our gospels. John the Baptist is preaching repentance. And the soldiers are saying. What shall we do? And the rulers are saying. What shall we do? And the people were saying. What shall we do? What, what shall you do? You must be baptized as a demonstration of your repentance. Listen to me. Listen to me. You see being baptized as a believer is the first act of your obedience as a follower of Jesus. Baptism does not save you. Baptism is that symbol and picture and testimony that you have followed Jesus. And some in this room who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, have yet to step forward and declare that you are a public disciple of Jesus and baptism is a part of that duty. What do we do here? We make disciples. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And 20, we teach and we teach and we teach and we teach. And notice, teach them to Learn all that I have said. Is that what it says? No. Be very careful with the Lord's words. I am as much for Bible study as anybody here. I'll teach Bible study every day of the week, day and night. I love it. I think it's wonderful. But you teach the Word of God in order to observe and obey the Word of God. Not just to gather some knowledge. Not just to be able to proud, to be able to say, I have all this now. I know, I know everything about God's Word. No one's impressed. If your life shows no difference. No one's impressed. If you know the Word of God and you do not obey it, that includes the way you talk, the way you think, the way you act the determination of your values, the priorities of your life. Oh, if I'm a disciple, I'll live like Jesus. I won't live like the world. And we teach and we teach and we disciple and we teach and we baptize and we disciple and we share the gospel. <clears throat> We've asked this church 
to all go out there in the hall, as silly as it sounds, and take one of those white ping pong balls that represents somebody you know who is lost and going to hell. We've asked this whole church to do it. We put it on the video. We send the texts out. We talk in the hall. There, there's the table. I'm asking you, if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, go out there and find one of those white ping pong balls and write the name of that precious person on their way to hell that you are committed it's your one in a world of millions that you will share the gospel with. I'm asking you. You see, believers obey the Lord by going everywhere, every day, in every way, and sharing the gospel. And then what do we do as believers? We come back and disciple everywhere, every day, in every way, until Jesus calls us out. We do it all in the world. This is what we do up here. This is no secret society. Anyone who comes in, well, is that all you do up there? Yeah, that's all we do. We're not trying to entertain. We're not trying to be as fancy as the world. We're not trying to just impress people. And so they say, boy, look how impressive those people are. We just cornbread and beans. Share the gospel, make disciples. Share the gospel, make disciples. You all know about cornbread and beans. Share the gospel, make disciples. Until Jesus comes. Thirdly, believers go into the world sharing the gospel, making disciples with the permanent presence of the Lord. So now I come back to my one string banjo, it seems. Someone keeps getting on me about this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. May I read it from the ending to the beginning? We love this, but we love the first part, but we don't ever think about the second part. To the end of the age, until the end of the age, I am with you always. Now listen. You see, the end of the world is coming. It's a real thing. It's not what insane, mentally unbalanced people say. The end of the world, the end of the age is coming. Our Lord spoke about it repeatedly. He says it here as He is about to ascend to the eternal world, about the temporal world. The, the world is passing away, John said. The world system and all of what seems to be its glitter and glamour and shiny toy look, all of its gloss and all of its fanciness that is all empty and vain, it's all passing away. And may I remind you, every soul without Jesus Christ is headed toward an eternal death. These are the truths of God's Word. These are the truths of our Lord. And I believe that, yes, the Lord is present with us. And we read this now, we, when we say it to each other, in, we, when we're comforting each other. And I say it also, and I believe it for myself. When I'm in a hard time, I am with you always. I love that. 
I'm with you always when you're sick. I'm with, I'm with you always when troubles have fallen around you. I'm with you always when you're in despair. I'm with you always when everything seems to unravel in your life. I'm with you always. But the Lord is specifically saying this in connection to sharing the gospel and making disciples. I am with you always while the world is careening toward the end, while the world is falling apart. We must do our disciple making and our sharing of the gospel in a corrupt, corroding, ungodly, unbalanced, unpredictable world. But we stay on the course. And we keep doing what we were called to do. How, whatever adjustments we have to make, we keep doing what we've been called to do. Listen, my friend, I believe the Lord said this to His disciples because they were going to be afraid to share the gospel. And you know what? I'll just be the first one, the preacher right here. I've been afraid at times to share the gospel. And if, I, if every believer in this room is honest, except you ones that want to act like you're some cowboy Christian... You've been afraid to share the gospel. Boy, some people just seem to be intimidating. But boys and girls, you need to get your ping pong ball if you're saved and you need to pray for one of your friends. Students, you need to pray for one of your friends. All of these, we shouldn't be afraid to share the gospel with anybody. I'll give you a good, great, great verse. Acts chapter 18, 9 and 10. Paul, well, he was going out. God called him, gloriously saved him, set him out on a mission, did amazing things. And most of his life he spent, most of his ministry he spent in jail. <laughs> what, what kind of successful ministry is that? And along the way, even Paul, are you ready for this? Even Paul was afraid to share the gospel. I don't believe that. Well... Acts 18, 9 and 10. The Lord said to Paul, the Lord said to Paul in the night by vision. Well, he's in jail, by the way. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision. This is Acts 18, 9 and 10. Do not be afraid any longer. That means that he had been afraid. This is Paul the Apostle. This is Superman Paul. The one who seems to be, you know, bulletproof. Who never has an issue. The Lord says to him, do not be afraid any longer. Perhaps this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to some of you, my dear friends, today. Don't be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. Here in Dixon, you must go to the ones he has in this city who are ready to be saved, who are ready to hear the gospel. Why would you say no for them? What right do you have to say no? I'm not going to share the gospel with them. It is our duty and our obligation. That's why Paul said it so well, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Have you ever begged a man or woman to be saved? That's the desperation we ought to have. But we seem to just go our way. We just 
we have so much to do, don't we? Well, maybe someone else will share the gospel. Maybe the preachers will do it, or maybe some of the deacons will do it. I, I don't know if I know what to say. Sure you know what to say. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. He'll speak to you. Have you ever begged someone to be saved? I bet you've begged them to do other things. Have you begged your friend to be saved? Well, that's, the earth, that's what we do in the world. We're not spending our time on all kinds of political matters that at the end of the day are not our priority. We don't spend our time trying to adjust and just focus on ourselves here at the church house where we can all be happy and satisfied we have our friends. Our circle ever enlarges. Our circle ever enlarges. More and more should be coming. Young adults, women, men, single men, single women. Our, our numbers should be gathering and growing because we are a people who share the gospel. And as we share the gospel, we come and bring them and we make disciples of them. I didn't say we go get our buddies who go to another church and have them show up over here. So what do we remember and do with these things? Well, believers live in the world to tell the world that Jesus Christ saves. The worldly Christian will never share the gospel. And I want to pause and say this, and I know I'm a little bit over, but you're used to it now. That's okay. I want you to hear this. And I genuinely mean this, and I've been here long enough now that I can say it. I thank God for the many... And there are many, uh, young and old men and women, boys and girls, yes, boys and girls, and some of our students who have taken these words seriously about sharing the gospel. And they share the gospel at factories. And boy, do we have factories filled with people with such brokenness and pain. That's just an example of the lostness of our world. Uh, they share the gospel at school. They share the gospel at their home. They share the gospel in their offices. They share the gospel in their shops. We have some nurses who share the gospel with people in rehab. We have nurses who share the gospel with people in the emergency room. In, who, we, have, we have medical people who share the gospel in, with other medical people in the surgery room. I thank God for the soul winners in this church. He who wins souls is wise. That's what the Word of God says. The Lord Jesus won souls. That's what we do. We lead people to Christ and Christ saves them. And we, through the power of the Holy Spirit and our teaching and our discipling, we make disciples. Sadly, though, I pray because I'm not judging, I'm observing as the pastor of the church. I'm making an observation. Sadly, however, my heart breaks for the many who remain, who are a part of this church, silent in their witness. There are no words coming from the mouth of many who are a part of this church. There is a 
There is a hesitancy. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's flat out worldliness and disobedience. And they are silent in their witness for Christ. And I mean these words, while the world goes to hell. So where are you today? Where are you today? Believers live in the world to tell the world that Jesus Christ is the one who saves. And God calls us through the Lord Jesus. He calls us to do this task. The, the Lord calls the world to become a disciple. Follow me. This is what the demand of the Lord is to the world. Follow me. Don't follow the world. Don't follow the devil. Follow me. And Christian obedience, I mean these words now as I'm finishing, Christian obedience is not complete until the gospel is shared with the world. So the critics said in Peter's day, where is the promise of the Lord's return? Everything seems the way it's always been. And Peter responds, the Lord is patient. Listen, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. And how does that happen? The church must go. It's time for you to go to your friends. It's time for you to go to the stranger. It's time for you to go. When I read those words, I think the Lord is patient, not with the lost, but He's patient with His church, saying, Church, how long? How long? How long? Tell the world that you're a Christian. Tell the world that you're a Christian. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord Jesus is near to the door. Come, Lord Jesus.